today on Let the Bible Speak. As we embark upon a new year, there's no better time to make some important decisions that will change your life. And a happy new year. I'm so glad you've joined me today to spend a little while in the Word of God. We've embarked upon a new year and what I think most of us hope will be a new and better chapter of our lives. We mark time by years down here on earth and so when we turn over the calendar, we also think about turning over a new leaf. Maybe you're taking this time right now because you said this would be the year that I begin reading and studying the Bible. I want to know more about the Lord and His Word. Well, that's a great resolution and I hope that you'll stick to it because it will yield great profits in your life. Unfortunately though, most of us don't have a good track record of keeping resolutions. We like the idea, but when it comes to putting in the work, well, we easily become discouraged and we fall back into our old habits. And so year after year passes and resolution after resolution is made, but we look back and we've really not made any lasting progress. Goals are not reached, promises not kept, dreams left in the dust. That new you is forgotten and we come to realize the old us is still right there eating and spending and sitting just like we always have. But it doesn't have to be that way. Many of us could testify to the fact that it often is that way though and it has been that way for a long, long time. I would remind you that it took the Israelites 40 years to complete a move that should have taken a few days. They walked across the Red Sea, they marched out of Egypt in great victory and resolved to inherit the land God had promised their father Abraham hundreds of years before. But their faith foundered and the vision vanished and their march to Canaan became a long and hard slog through the desert wilderness that amounted to 40 years. And of the hundreds of thousands of Hebrews that left Egypt with Moses, only two of them finally entered Canaan. In fact, even Moses failed to reach it. When we come to the Old Testament book of Joshua, they're finally entering the land. The first several chapters of Joshua are all about victory. They cross the rolling Jordan and they begin to take the land. They conquered Jericho and they began to conquer city after city and take the land that God said they would possess. But Joshua knew the long history of these people. And now being an old man who was about to die, he feared for their future. He knew their tendency to turn aside and so he gathers them at Shechem, incidentally the very place where God had promised Abraham this land hundreds of years before, and he preaches his farewell sermon. He takes them back through their history. He shows them how God, through all of their victories, defeats, trials, and challenges, had ultimately brought them by His grace to where they now stood. And then there was a solemn warning. Read it with me in Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. These familiar words we read, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Well, Joshua's declaration of he and his family's faith and commitment is one of the most courageous and inspiring and resolute statements ever made. 
But Joshua was just one man. What would the nation do? He is telling them that it was time for them to make up their minds. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. You may be like a multitude of others who are spiritually sitting on the fence. You may be carelessly drifting or aimlessly wandering through life with no real thought about your soul and your eternal direction. Like then, today is also a day of decision. And I want to challenge you to make some important decisions today that will change your life. And so for the title of our sermon, I want to say along with Joshua, choose you this day. And we'll talk about that after a song from the congregation. Let the Lord be Throughout the history of God's people in the Old Testament, and even throughout the history of the human race as a whole, men have not been faithful to God for very long. Idolatry was and is an ever-present temptation. Even Abraham, the father of the Jewish race, was at one time an idolater who was raised near ancient Babylon and had to renounce the many gods of his past in order to follow the one true God who would ultimately bless him. Abraham's children were confronted with the temptation to worship strange gods all throughout their generations whether it was the mythical gods of the Egyptians or the many gods of the Canaanites and the land they were now conquering. Joshua knew that they possessed the land and uh, as they encountered the culture and the religion of the Canaanites there, their history would come back to haunt them and they would be tempted to turn to paganism and fail to be a separate people dedicated to God alone. And so he tells them in Joshua 24, that this was the day they needed to ultimately make up their minds. They had two choices before them. They could worship the idols that their fathers had worshipped on the other side of the river, or they could wholly give themselves to the true God of heaven and serve Him alone. And Joshua says, me and my family, we have made our decision. And no matter what you may decide to do, me and my house are going to serve the Lord. Well, my, how we need some Joshuas in this day of worldliness and compromise and this day of worldly conformity. People with the faith and the courage and the resolve to stand up and say, if nobody else will, I will serve the Lord. I'll be true to His Word. If everybody else lives in sin and hates and rejects the truth or drifts with the tide and I have to be all alone, that's all right. I'm going to serve the Lord. If everyone else embraces religious error and false doctrine, that's not going to change my decision and my commitment to do just what the Bible says. 
Well, you see, when Joshua said that, it did the same thing a stirring speech might do today. It got the people all stirred up emotionally and caught up in the moment. And they replied, well, yes, we'll serve the Lord. Why would we not? Surely you don't think we would worship pagan idols after all God has done for us. But you see, Joshua knew them through and through. He knew their past. And he knew how weak and fickle they could be. And so he chides them. And he says in verses 19 and 20, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then He will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, He hath done you good. In other words, you say you'll be faithful to God, but if you don't do any differently than you have in the past, after a while you'll forget all about this and go right back to your old ways. But they assured Joshua in verse 21, perhaps even more vociferously, No, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said, You are witnesses that you have committed yourselves to forsake idolatry and only worship God. And they said, The Lord our God will we serve, and His voice will we obey. And so with that resolution, the Bible says that Joshua renewed the covenant there with the people. He took a large stone. He erected a monument to serve as a witness to the vow that they had made to be faithful and serve the Lord. And he dismissed the people to their inheritance, and Joshua soon died. Well, we need to make some decisions today, don't we? So many of us are fickle and undependable, especially when it comes to spiritual things. We talk a good game about our religion. We might admit how much we fall short. We might even say we're going to do differently. But truth be told, in the case of many of us, we have never in our heart of hearts made the decisions that need to be made, real decisions, life-changing decisions. Decisions that mark repentance and a true turning to the Lord. You know, before the famous showdown at Mount Carmel, Elijah the prophet gathered the people together and he made a similar statement to, Joshua, uh, to Joshua's statement. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not, a word. Are you halting between two opinions? That's my question today. Do you know what's right, but you've not committed to do right? Well, I want to talk to you about some things that require a decision, a real decision. And my friend, as we stand on the precipice of a new year filled with new opportunities, and it can be a clean sheet on which to write, it's a great time to make these real resolves, and it will change your life. First of all, I want to say along with Joshua, choose ye this day, first of all, to obey God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? The world is full of people who will cry out to Jesus, Lord, Lord, but they're not doing what He commands. They're really not living their life according to the teachings of His Word. I know a man who until a few years ago would argue with everyone he got the chance to argue with, about what a person needed to do to be saved. He understood what the Bible teaches about that. He understands that a person had to be baptized into Christ to receive the remission of sins because the Bible teaches that in Acts 2 and verse 38. He knew that's what the Bible says, and he would tell you that that's what the Bible says. He would tell you, if you're not following the Bible in your worship and in your life, you're wasting your time calling yourself a Christian. But yet, strangely, he himself had never been baptized. Until a, few, until a few years ago, he finally made up his mind. There are a lot of people like that. 
There are also a lot of people who, like Israel of old, like to claim God as their father. They today like to claim that Jesus is their savior, but they've never acknowledged him as their Lord. They think of Jesus as their friend, but not their master. But friend, good thoughts about Jesus won't save you. Praying won't save you. Owning a Bible or displaying a cross in your home or around your neck doesn't save you. God's grace through obedient faith saves you. And so many want to live their lives on their terms, remain a part of the world, hold on to a sinful practice or lifestyle, and somehow think that Christ is going to save them. They want to ride the fence, and because they have some sympathetic feelings about Jesus, well, they think that everything will work out all right in the end. They may say, well, I believe it. I believe in Jesus. But not if you're going to, not going to obey Him. And that's the simple fact of the matter. Hebrews 5 verse 9 says that Christ is the, is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Have you been baptized into Christ? Have you taken that step? Have you made up your mind to become a Christian? Are you a faithful and dependable member and worker in the church? Are you gathering with the church to worship Him according to the Scriptures, like the Bible says Christians are to do on the first day of the week? Acts 20 verse 7, Hebrews 10 25. If not, why don't you decide to obey the Lord today? Submit to Him. Sell out to Him altogether. And if you really believe He is who He claims to be and who the Bible says that He is, bow to Him and start obeying Him. Resolve today that you're going to step out and obey the gospel and begin living the life he is calling you to live. Second of all, choose ye today to give up your sin. Now you know the Bible teaches that sin can be overcome and conquered through Jesus, through Christ. And Christ makes repentance of sin a requirement to forgiveness and to that new life. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, Paul illustrates how the Christian was forgiven and made free from sin in baptism and risen to a new life in Christ. In verses 3 through 6, and then he says in verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now what does he mean? How does sin reign within a person? Now all of us have been guilty of sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 8 that if, if a man says he has no sin, he deceives himself, and the truth is not in him. That's even written to Christians, those who have obeyed the gospel. But yet the Bible also says that sin is not to reign in our mortal body. So what's the difference? Well, I might illustrate it like this. You know, there's a big difference between a thief who breaks into your home and a man you invite inside. If a burglar sneaks into your home and ransacks the place and steals your belongings, well, you didn't want him there. You may have unknowingly left the door unlocked, but you certainly didn't turn the covers down in the guest bedroom for him. And once it happens, you'll be more vigilant to keep him out. Well, sin is to be an intruder in the life of the Christian, not a guest. Sin is an interloper in the life of a Christian. Sin dwells in the heart and life of a sinner, not the Christian. But you see, the Christian has evicted the devil from his heart and from his life. And there are many people who profess to be Christians, but they have never evicted sin out of their life. That is, they never really repented of their sin and committed themselves to live a holy and righteous life. And consequently, Christ doesn't dwell in such a person's heart by faith because sin never left. And Christ is not going to dwell in the heart where sin is allowed to dwell. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, Paul said, Of all kinds of sins of the flesh, such as sexual sins and sins of the heart, 
that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Are there sins in your life that you refuse to repent of? Have they even become destructive and debilitating habits and addictions? Listen, friend, those chains can be broken today. They can be broken. Jesus holds the keys, and He will empower you to overcome those things. But you've got to yield to Him in repentance and resolve to obey Him. You've got to make up your mind to give it up and let Christ change your life. I read of some people practicing things they had no business being involved in over in Acts chapter 19. And when they were finally convicted of their sinful practices, the Bible says there, beginning in verse 18, that many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now you see, that's a great example of repentance. These people rid their homes and their lives not only of the sin itself, but everything that would lead them to that sin or anything that was attached to that sin. That's real repentance. That's a true decision and a resolve that they made in their heart. They chose that day to rid their lives of sin and to give themselves to the Lord, to serve Him and Him alone. And that perhaps is what you still need to do, and you need to do it today. And then thirdly, choose today to put the kingdom of God first in your life. In fact, it has to come first in your life or it won't be in your life. Jesus made that imperative. He declared in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. These things referring to the material concerns and the material needs of life. Have you become derelict in your duty to the kingdom of Christ? Are you a Christian, but yet you're not really putting the Lord and His work and His kingdom, living the Christian life, seeking the reign of Jesus in your life? You're not putting that before everything else? Have you shirked your responsibility to the church and the cause of the Lord? Maybe you've allowed your job or your family or your various goals in life, perhaps recreation, sports, worldly interests, to simply crowd out the things that are far more important, to choke the word out of your heart, as Jesus once said in the parable of the sower. He said that the thorns of worldliness and earthly cares will choke the seed of the kingdom out of the heart of a Christian until it dies altogether. Why don't you get back where you ought to be? Stop saying a better time or when it's easier or when it's more convenient. That will never happen because there will never be, listen now, there will never be a more opportune moment in your life to make a decision that will impact the rest of your life and where you will spend eternity than right now, today. How long halt ye between two opinions, Elijah asked. Joshua said, choose ye this day who you will serve. You see, if you don't resolve to put the kingdom of God first before everything else, as I say, it simply won't be in your life. I've told a story down through the years, and others have as well, about a professor who went before his business class, I heard, and he performed a rather strange exercise. He put an empty bucket up on his desk, and he took some large rocks, and he put the rocks down in the bucket until they came up to the top, and then he asked his class, is the bucket full? Well, a few of them impetuously said, yes, the bucket's full. And it was full of these rocks. But he said, no, the bucket's not full. And he showed them why. He pulled out a pail of gravel. 
And he poured the gravel into the pail until it came up to the top. And he said, now, is the bucket full? Well, they were bright enough to catch on. And they said, no, the bucket's not full. And he said, that's right. And he pulled out a pail of sand. And he poured the sand into the bucket until it began to spill out over onto the desk. He said, now is the bucket full? And somebody said, no, the bucket's not full yet. And he said, you're correct. And he took out a container of water. And he poured the water into the pail until it finally spilled onto the top of the desk. And he said, now is the bucket full? And they began to say, yes, we think the bucket is full. He said, that's right. He said, what do we learn from this exercise? Somebody raised the hand and they said, well, this is a lesson in time management. If you just learn to manage your time and you learn to balance things in life, you can always get something else in. You can always fit all that you need to into your life. He said, no, that's not the point of this. He said, the lesson I want you to learn from this is this. Those big rocks that I put in that bucket, you've got to put those in there first or you'll never get them in there. That's a lesson that we need to learn in our spiritual lives. The kingdom of God has to come first. The Lord Jesus has to come first. The truth has to come first. Obedience to Christ has to come first before everything else. Things that we deem so important, the kingdom has to come first. If it doesn't, we'll never fit it in. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? You may need to rearrange your priorities today and say, starting today, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God before anything else in my life and let everything else fall where it may.
I do wish you a wonderful year ahead, but most importantly, I hope that this year will not only bring health and prosperity, I hope it will bring great spiritual progress in your life. If you have never obeyed the gospel, if you've never become a Christian, you've been putting that decision off, or you'd like to know more about what it takes to make that decision and become a child of God, decide today that you're going to attend to that. If you're ready to place your faith in Jesus, to turn your back on your life of sin and turn to Christ, if you're ready to confess His name, that He is the Christ, the Son of God, and if you're ready to be baptized in water to have your sins washed away, we would be delighted to make arrangements to help you in taking those steps. You can become a member of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and begin this day a new life in Him. It is the greatest decision you will ever make. I promise you that. If you'd like a copy of the sermon you've just heard today, we'll be happy to send it to you, a free printed transcript. Ask for the lesson, choose you this day, and we will get that copy in the mail as quickly as we can. Also remember we're online. I hope that you'll spend this next year helping us to promote the gospel and to promote this program as we preach the gospel here from week to week. Uh, go to our social media pages and like the pages and follow them and share them with your friends. Do us that favor, won't you? And also find us online, ltbstv.org, and you can subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Let the Bible Speak TV, and you can listen to Let the Bible Speak on the go. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a great week and a great year ahead. And if the Lord is willing, may be back here for another Bible study next time. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.